0: What's up, team? Before we head into the episode, I just wanted to take a second to give a special shout out to Just Move. That is my online subscription platform. I have hundreds of workouts over on Just Move, anything from cardio, strength, mobility. We even have other coaches on there. You can do yoga, dance, and so much more. And right now, we have 50% off an annual membership. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to JustMove.com and let's get moving. what's up team and welcome to the kaisa show
1: that's right welcome we are in a new space today for those of you tuning in on video we are in our studio space for the first time
0: which is very exciting but i also just realized i can't say the round table at the end because we don't have that here so
1: what are we going to say at the end i
0: don't know i'll figure it out when we get there
1: we'll just go Just off the cuff. We're
0: going to flow. I like it. Okay. So today we're going to jump into what's buzzing. And I have to say, I've really been liking this. I think about what's buzzing in my life now. I'm getting prepared for this topic each week i have you, something
1: it can make you more grateful throughout the week because you kind of you're like oh is this something i'm buzzing on right now and you're like you know i am buzzing on that
0: or it helps me to try new things oh. i think also because i'm like i want to come with a cool buzzing topic to tell the crew and you so it kind of pushes me to did i try something new this
2: week yeah, yeah.
1: you're in the search of a buzz
2: <laughs> literally <laughs> did you do that on purpose <laughs> dun da dun, dun, dun.
1: Oh wait, what? In search of a buzz?
2: Because of my buzzing topic. Oh, like... <laughs> hit him. Let's hear it. What okay, are you buzzing okay. on? I feel like my buzzing topic might be controversial, but like I don't know. I am buzzing on edibles this week.
1: <laughs> you are buzzing on buzzing.
2: <laughs> I'm buzzing on buzzing, and I don't know. I don't know if this is controversial, so I don't know if this is okay to talk
1: about. Well, federally, it might be controversial. <laughs> State. Uh, we are okay. I am in Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's legal.
2: Okay, so it's okay
0: for me to talk about? Be honest. If you're going to judge me, you probably have already judged me on a lot of things. Also, you can judge me. That's fine. I'm here to be very honest (laughs) about what's going on Yeah, we don't have
1: to agree on everything. Yeah. Right? Okay. It's good to not agree on everything. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So I am buzzing on marijuana edibles um, because for so, for 36 years, I've been totally... (laughs) What?
1: <laughs> That's what you say. For 36 years, I've been searching for a good marijuana edible. You didn't go no, there. No.
2: Okay. I have been anti marijuana and not
0: like aggressively anti. I don't care what people do. But for me personally, like I just didn't enjoy being high. I don't like losing control of my body, I mm-hmm. think. And so if you're being, dr- if you're drunk, like I knew what that was.
1: It's kind of an on-ramp. Is this
0: okay for us to talk about? Yeah, this is the behind the scenes. This is the real shit, Okay, this is very real, people. So recently, I have definitely known for a long time that I, I, not for a long time, but recently, that I have anxiety. I am very high strung. I would benefit from an ability to just calm down, obviously meditate or do something, which is something I'm working towards, but just not in the books for me right now. Um, And so I've been dabbling in a little bit of weed at night which has been
2: great now when I say dabbling I mean a week
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's how both of us are though when we find something like yesterday we're like this is so we started doing this thing now this is like what we do and we take it on and it's day one it's been a
0: little it's been about two weeks so the thing is is I have a wonderful family member who has like definitely helped me kind of navigate so yesterday I went to the store. I went to the pot shop for the first time by myself. And it is... I was
2: like an awkward child. (laughs) I felt like my parents are... Like I was going to get in trouble or something. And
1: it's weird in there too. It's kind of weird and like
2: sterile. And you're like, I don't know if
0: this... It was wonderful. They were so awesome. Helped me navigate things. I yeah I'm totally buzzing on that. I
1: love so I mean it's not like this at every pot shop that I've been, but there's definitely like some of the people who work there. It is like their life dream they're like the stoner who just like is so into just getting stoned and like they're totally content with that to be able to have a professional career like you Explaining. can tell. How excited they are! Like I've gone in, like Yo, I'm, I'm just kind of like having a little trouble sleeping. You know, I want some to kind of take the edge off. They're like, oh yeah, the thunder, the 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 CBD. It's got a twenty percent CBD with the THC blend, and they're like pharmacists oh, and doctors. They- Take it with a grain of salt, obviously, but it's fun. Yeah. Like it's actually It fun, was actually
0: fun. Yeah. I ended up spending about thirty minutes in there learning yeah. about so they the human that was uh helping me out was so intelligent about it, it went over my head. I mean, they were talking about all these different strands <laughs> and the terpenes and all these different and I was like, Well, I don't know. I'm just trying to I'm trying to I'm trying essentially to get off. Yeah. Well, no, not high. That's the thing. Like yeah, I, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You're doing it for um
0: well, I don't know Medical honestly, reasons. and I don't even know. I'm not, I don't I don't do drugs, so I don't even know what like that means. I guess we I'm getting now. high. I do now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you God, can't say that right. anymore. Yeah. And like alcohol is a drug. Sure. I what I basically explained to them is I want to feel like I have I had one glass of wine at night, without having that glass of wine, and obviously then without waking up feeling you know, like I had the glass of wine.
1: I just love like this is where we're at in the world. Like, can you imagine? like i was a big pothead when i was younger oh, were you? yeah and like bringing that to the drug dealer
2: <laughs> how yeah they'd be like
1: hey man <laughs> um so i'm just kind of looking for like like a one glass of wine vibe something that i can kind of sleep on not feel too hungover And something to play maybe like a little music with, you know, like that's where we're at. You could like (laughs) lay out those kind of details and requests.
0: No, I know. So I guess, but the other thing, I mean, we don't have to go into like all the details of like that because obviously there's a problem that we try to control, you know, marijuana and this and that. But it was, it was amazing. I love the experience. And so far one week in.
2: Yeah. I'm so amazing. actually
1: let's, what is the experience? Like, are you getting what you, yeah, I like kind of so. go into I'm more of that. so
2: weird when I get, I'm like, do I feel anything? <laughs> What's <laughs> happening? And I'm home alone. So it's not like anybody's like, I'm just like, is this it? Is this what it feels like
1: to me? <laughs> and is it good? Because <laughs> you say you're buzzing on it. Like yeah, is that okay. You
2: know, you know
0: what I've noticed? So I I just like take I okay, so the edible that they give you is a, that I bought is a square. It's like I, a
1: starburst type of it's thing. It's like,
0: yeah, and I cut it into four. So okay. I take a quarter of what the edible is. So I'm probably getting nothing, but it helps me go to bed. There you go. So like if I turn on a show, I don't even I haven't even been finishing the shows because I'm tired and I go to bed. <laughs> just, <sighs>
1: saw in logs but that's good that is like a good place to be that's something i have a really hard time just like kind of falling asleep doing something which sounds weird like why would you want that but that's like the ultimate relaxation yeah like my wife loves that like yeah. she loves falling asleep while we're watching something i yeah. like it drives me crazy oh. but it's like it seems so, it does seem so relaxing. It is because like you're just letting go. Yeah, you know. And
0: for me, like as somebody who cannot turn off their brain, like I just cannot. There is always I call them like tabs. There's always tabs open in my brain. So for me to be able to have my experience one week in where I can feel like calm and just go to bed at night has been kind of life changing so far. Week one. That's good to hear. Yeah.
1: I mean, I so far today I don't feel like. Let me think. Did, like, did you come with a different energy? You came actually with a pretty chill
2: energy did this I? morning. Did I? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So maybe... Well, I'm... I
2: came with such a chill energy, you asked me if I was high. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, when you brought it up, I was like, wait, are you buzzing right now? Because you kind of looked through me a little bit. We lost like eye and contact.
2: No, I am definitely... This is only like a tiny little yeah. thing at night occasionally. That but
1: I... there is the potential for a future podcast... To where maybe you dive in <clears throat> in live test some of these. Um, oh,
0: totally. Go- oh, I'm <laughs> high on the podcast. <laughs> We go like all out. I mean, we have talked about wanting to test things out and then like talk about it. So maybe yeah, that's why Maybe.
1: Yeah. Maybe. Okay. okay.
0: Enough of me buzzing. That was way over our five yeah, minute buzz. Sorry. I like that
1: because I you know it's like you balancing it out. You were kind of buzzing I'm, on it too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was you you created a, a contact buzz oh. is what they might <laughs> call that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. All right, your turn.
1: Okay, I am buzzing. On the home... What is it? The Apple HomePod Minis. I'm always like the product. I'm always thinking you are of the, the product. product yeah. I know. Okay. But look, I've been looking at those HomePod Minis for like going on six months now. Because I'm always going between, should I get a Sonos up? You got the Sonos. And then now Apple makes their little things. Here's the thing. I don't need it. That's why I haven't bought it. Because I'm just like... I'm creating... I have a speaker you already bought me oh, like a year yeah. ago. And it's great. And we use it, it all the time. is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I'm also buzzing on the UE Boom, right? Yeah. But... um. For the studio in the space here, it's pretty big and we have the little Bluetooth speaker and it's like, you know, we should get some Wi-Fi speakers so that like everyone can connect. It's easy. They pair. It's cool. A phone call doesn't interrupt it. Exactly. Notifications aren't on blast, all that stuff. And so we ordered a couple. We set them up. Didn't have to read the directions. Yeah. That was a test. We said, hey, can we not read the directions? Can we set this up? It was a little, I will say, it wasn't as quick as I thought it might be, but I just put my phone by the little HomePod Mini and it kind of eventually it made a noise and recognized it on my phone and then it just kind of like set up
0: this is when i have to give mike this cue okay
1: oh Oh, and they're great because they play Kaiser's music really well (laughs) um and no
0: they come in cool colors they
1: come in cool colors the
0: sound is great it doesn't go okay i'm taking over your buzzing i'm so
1: sorry it's no i'm feeling this vibe today it's cool go ahead no i'm so preach no buzz buzz on buzz on
2: no that's in no okay don't be embarrassed you were
1: excited see here's the thing you were getting what you were thinking was a little tired but really you were getting so inspired (laughs) i
2: wanted
0: you to get to the thing
1: so what else is cool about them
0: well i think the colors are super cool they're small they're really small they actually like look cool a sonos doesn't look that cool because it's kind of big and bulky but these do not produce anywhere near the sound of a sonos so they're perfect if you have a few to pair or if you want it in a like a smaller space like we're going to put one in our in our smaller office they're the size they're of fun. a softball yeah and they're a hundred dollars teeny and
1: they're a hundred bucks
0: which that is a do thing you have a promo be... code no oh, <laughs> oh gosh so, if like, only use apple... at checkout yeah if only apple would give me That'd a promo cool. code no but i think um audio things become so expensive now that a hundred dollars for a product like that is that sounds reasonable
1: i agree yeah so that's my buzz. Okay. Yeah. Gosh,
0: we were buzzing on two very different things this We week. were.
1: I was, you know, I had some other potential buzzes, but oh. they didn't make the buzz cut. Ooh, the buzz cut. That's kind of fun.
0: <laughs> the buzz cut should be used when we're done buzzing because we only are supposed to have five minutes. So yeah, buzz we, cut is on.
1: We let you go a little longer oh, sorry, today. Okay. I yeah. did take up, that's up that cool. space. That's cool. Okay. So for today's episode, we thought we would go into sort of an episode geared towards trainers yeah you know a lot of people who follow you are obviously interested in the fitness space probably a lot of people who follow you are trainers aspiring trainers um and i thought it'd be really interesting for you to sort of go back in time about like how you got into it yeah um you know things like what all the different certifications, yeah, you know, schooling, all those things.
0: This is fun because I don't. I feel like a lot of times when I have conversations, is actually not geared towards trainers. So this is a good. totally i feel like
1: we're normally trying to like talk to gen pop which is great and it's like as uh getting more people to move i think that's the key but the other actually as i just said
0: that i know i know where you're getting more
1: people to move you got to get other people to get other people to move a
0: thousand percent and i do love talking to trainers and just like kind of sharing my story i feel like my story is a little unique so we can go into bits and pieces of it but it's unique in the sense of i happen to be when I was a trainer and I was six years into being a trainer, social media came along. And so I had this very unique opportunity that I don't think exists in the same way today. And actually I would like to dive into that when, when we get there because it's like the number one question I get from trainers is how do I build a bigger social media? And I wanna say like, don't focus on that. So mm. we can get to that. Do you wanna start off with the very beginning of my career? let yeah, should let's we just go? Like,
1: I mean, let's just start with what I, I'm thinking. Do I even know what inspired... I I don't even know if I know what inspired you actually to be a trainer. Maybe I do, but I... Yeah, you
0: do. You'll know this when we talk about it. So my injuries in college inspired me to get certified only to learn about myself and my body. And so I, I... at that time, there's a handful of gold standard certs, NASM is one of them. And so I happened to pick that one and got certified, but never in, in any imagination was going to actually train humans. I wanted to just have ownership over my body and understanding, a better understanding about my body. Um, and I was nanning at the time because I wanted to go back to school, get my master's, and I wanted to become a, a social worker. And the woman, Leslie, that I was nannying just kept asking me, like, can you train me and my coworkers? Mm. Like, since you're already doing this and like everybody always assumes if you're an athlete, you're a trainer as well, which is couldn't be further from the truth. Um, and so she was always like, you you know how to do all this stuff. Can you just do a boot camp for us? And finally, I was like, OK, Leslie, I'm going to do one class for you and your like, you know, five women um, that you work with. And literally 10 minutes into the class I was like this is the best thing ever because wanting I knew I wanted to work with humans it was a handful of things where you're like from the out like of a bird's eye view you're like this is so obvious Kaisa I loved movement movement has saved my life I loved learning about my body and kind of like recovering myself from my own injuries I always have wanted to work with people especially women that's why I thought I wanted to be a social worker I have had an experience of movement completely changing my life and empowering me and so it was in that moment where I was like Oh my gosh, all of these things are coming together. Like I get to teach the thing that I love. I get to give the gift that kept me alive to others. I get to empower these women. And it literally happened in one boot camp that was at Woodland Park on the turf fields.
1: Which one is that? Green the one Lake. With- Greenlight in Seattle. Like I,
0: it's so it's just to me is like, and it feels like it was yesterday. So in that moment I knew I was like, oh yeah, hands down, this is what I'm going to do. So then, you know, had a kind of a crazy route inside of there to be at zoom, which is where I started my, I started an internship there because I just felt like I didn't know enough. Um, But also for me leading to like, I always wanted to be a trainer because I wanted to give that side of the gift of training and movement to others. But most of the industry and especially kind of where I was learning and where I was kind of, where I was in the beginning was like you train to help people feel better, but also to change the way they looked. So I've had a very not an easy route to to where I am today and sticking with like my my true message mm-hmm. the entire time.
1: Going back to just sort of the like the cert, for instance, like what made you choose NASM and then how was that? um what was that process like?
0: Yeah. So we say like there are five gold standard certs, even though there are a lot more certifications. And one of the facts about becoming a personal trainer is it's easier to be a personal trainer than it is to become a nail technician. Like they, it's it's pretty easy to be a personal trainer. And so for me, I wanted to go the route of feeling like, I, one, I didn't know, I didn't graduate with kinesiology or anything about the body. I graduated with a degree in sociology. And so I felt I was very as you know, my perfectionist self, I was very insecure about a lack of knowledge. Um, and so, so you went
1: to just pause. So you went to high school, you went to UW, Dub. Yep. I went to University of Washington. Sports. Yes. Then after getting out. After graduating. Okay.
0: Yeah. It Got was like it. that year I was nannying. I think it was like after my senior year. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was talking to other social workers to be like, is this what I want to do? I was just trying to figure out, you know, you're supposed to know in college what you're doing. And I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. So I was like, I thought I had that figured out. Little did I know, obviously like one, even if I was a professional athlete, you wouldn't even get paid enough, unfortunately as a woman to have that as your career, but whatever, you know, you know. Naive Kaisa at 21 years old, so that's when I figured it out. Um, I don't even know how I landed on NASM, but there are a few certs. So ACSM, you have to have an actual degree. Like I would have had okay. to have a kinesthesiology degree. Um, NSCA was strength and conditioning, and is a more difficult certification. And um, so I just kind of ended up with um, NASM. And I, are and I any love of them.
1: Sorry. Yeah. Are any of them like in person, or is it all like? How, how do they work?
0: So I actually don't know. Like, I'm almost positive NSCA, there's an in-person... And ACSM, there's like in-person testing that happens. Okay. But I actually don't know. Um, NASA. so NASM, I don't think NASA would appreciate if I said that. NASM is, uh, it was all like I had to learn it. And then I had to just go take the test at a testing center. Okay. Um, and so then you become a certified trainer. And the scariest thing, you become a certified trainer and you've never trained anybody in your entire life and so for me that was where that was part of the reason why I was like Leslie no I don't want to do a boot camp I don't even know I'm learning the information but I'm a good person I can like regurgitate information but that doesn't mean I actually knew what was happening like I don't know how to coach a squad or a lunge or th- and then I have to manage a whole like there were like five women like what am I doing but you know we figured it out and then for me what it meant was I wanted to be Interning and around the best of the best because the moment I decide to do something, you know, competitive kaisa, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be the best. So, okay, I decide I want to be a trainer. I'm going to be the best trainer. So, the time for me, Zoom Club, Zoom in downtown Seattle was was known for their kind of like take on movement and fitness, and and um, and I was surrounded by the best trainers there.
1: So, what I'm pulling just because I want this to be like in case there's potential trainers or trainers in the you know yeah. interested in getting into training. So you did NASM and you realized that's not enough not to enough. just start trading people I need to go intern which is kind of what they try to set you up with right is like yeah. go intern somewhere or is it not I forget I don't
0: I honestly that was a long time ago that was like 13 12 13 years ago so I don't remember if that's where they tried to navigate you to I think it kind of feels like okay you're ready to go and it depends on the studio or the space that you're in um I knew right away that if I was insecure about being a trainer then like when i stand in front of somebody as the authority like that wouldn't work very well yeah um and so i i was training i forgot i was actually training at all-star fitness in west seattle while i was doing the internship at zoom because zoom wouldn't bring you on as a trainer until you had done the internship and quote unquote proven yourself um to be a good enough trainer to be there so i just i have always had a drive to want to be the best at whatever I'm doing. And so I knew at that point in time, I've got to figure out what the best studio is. I've got to figure out where the best trainers are. And then I've got to figure out also where else I can continue my education. So a huge thing that I always say to people, especially like up and coming trainers is there are so many, um, certifications or, you know, mentors like people that you can learn from that you workshops that you can go to where you can learn so much about the body you can also learn you know because the training industry is so big you can learn what you're passionate about you can learn about things that resonate with you like maybe all of a sudden you love kettlebells and like that's the route you become like a kettlebell trainer you go down that route so once you get one of your i will say gold standard certs i would say your your education continues based on what you decide to push yourself towards
1: yeah because it's kind of it's just a start it and and with how much um changes with, you know, science and the body and what, you know, what should be lots changed over the last like 15, 20 years. Yeah. So it's, it's super important to continue. It's not like you just get the cert and you're ready to go.
0: No, and you're not. And you know, not to like dive too far away from this, but I, I do think a lot of the big egos that happen kind of in our industry, and you know, the fitness industry is known for just kind of having like I don't i don't want to say like douchey but like not the nicest people just because i think there's so many of us that are trying to cover up our insecurities because we actually know we don't know that much and then we feel insecure about it so we have these egos so you you know clients or nobody asks us any questions and it kind of it creates an unhealthy environment in general so i would definitely say you getting your certification is the start of your learning process and then who you are underneath like who you are interning under um who you are mentoring under what other certifications what other courses you go to is the difference of you becoming a really really good trainer or or staying a basic trainer
1: yeah and what does that mean what's a basic trainer
0: I mean, don't knock to any trainer, I guess. I just, I think that it's, this market is so saturated now that like in order for you to actually succeed and have this your full-time job, and some trainers don't want it their full-time job, but in order for you to make this your career, you've got to go above and beyond. And in order to go above and beyond, like you're going to have to push yourself to constantly be learning and to be surrounded by people who you're learning from and who you're pushed by. That was one of the coolest things about being at Zoom. I was I wanted to quit every single day because I was so uncomfortable and nervous that somebody was going to ask me about something. I didn't know the answer and it pushed me. It fueled me so much to learn like, I spent basically all my money, like Mike Robertson or Eric Cressy or like all these kind of like old school coaches that I was learning from. I would buy their DVDs. That's how long ago it was. And I would learn and I would like try to figure out how to program because that's a whole nother thing. You might you might know the human body, but do you know how to program for like certain clientele coming in? So, yeah, just crazy. But like in order for you to stand out and to be able to be successful, you have got to be pushing yourself you know you have got to be on your a-game and you've got to constantly be evolving
1: yeah absolutely and i think it's like because i got my nsm last year i think or maybe it was two years ago i think it was last year you pushed me to get it yeah and i think what's interesting is when you when you tell people you're like oh yeah like i got my my cert and they're like oh cool like can you train me and i it made me think like just like friends you know just like that we'd be talking about it and i'd be yeah, no, you know, I don't think I'm ready for that yet, yeah. you know? And what it really, it also showed is that everyone's going to come to you with a different kind of ability, a different, you know, how they can move, their experience. And so if you're just sort of one, if you've only learned to teach like one style and you get someone that's really beginner like in my experience just training a few friends like training beginners oh, is by far the hardest it's the hardest
0: absolutely and also i mean i think that's why like for in order for even with start or something i feel like i just being able to have the experience that i've had and the only way you get that is by training more and more people you know you can't you can't read enough books to tell you how to train people. Um, But I think that one of the best things that one of the the founders of Zoom said to me, he was like, if you you have to have a language and you have to be able to say something a million different ways so that the client understands it. It's not on them to know how to squat. If you are not communicating, if you don't have a toolbox of a thousand ways to describe a squat, then you're failing them. And that's on you. And so for me, I always like, I think I was just like set up to train beginners from the very beginning. Like one, it was like, I loved it. I loved that challenge. Like I understood what Pete was saying to me in that moment. And I took it on. And I just like coming from somebody who felt so empowered through movement. Like I realized so quickly the changes that happens when beginners, like when true beginners start moving in their body and like start feeling their body and then get excited about things and empowered about things. So I was set up from the beginning to, to coach beginners, but it is a huge learning process to learn as much as you possibly can to break it down to the simplest thing and to have to be able to have a million words to to break that thing down
1: so if someone is listening and they would want, they really want to teach beginners yeah we just kind of went through a bunch of stuff how yeah. would you break that down like get your cert and then what after that?
0: Yeah, I mean, the I think the number one thing I say is like, make sure you are accredited. So get your certification, do your internships, learn underneath people, get your experience and get as much diversified experience as you can because the training industry is so big. You know what I mean? Like, do you want to be a rehab specialist? Do you want to be, do you want to coach group classes? Do you love coaching beginners? Uh, do you want to do kettlebells? Do you want to do sports performance and like train athletes? For some reason, like that's always what from the outside world, like people always think like, oh, you're going to go into training and then you're going to train athletes. Like, no, there's some of us that love to train general pop. Like there's so many deaf, there's so many different avenues that you can go, but you won't know that until you start experiencing them. So like for me in the beginning, the very first clients that I was training were, were very beginners. I did this whole process of what like six years to come back or even more because I'm still in my career going all over the place but to come back to realize like I am most passionate about getting Susie Q off the couch and moving no matter who I have trained like that's the thing that brings the best out of me that's the thing that I'm the best at and that's the thing that I want to do the most yeah so go have experiences Mm -hmm. like and don't pigeonhole yourself go experience
1: and don't necessarily think that teaching be, uh, beginners is the easy like because it's the easiest oh, yeah, no. say movement or whatever yeah. it's not the easiest yeah. thing to teach
0: or that training athletes means that you've reached your pinnacle or that you're you know the best of the best i mean you you all trainers are equal depending on like who you're training who you're training doesn't matter all trainers are equal and i think for us inside of the industry there's definitely kind of this tug and pull with if you're training athletes you know you must be the best of the best and that's just simply not the case at all um, but I definitely think go. the number one thing would be just like, go have experiences, go find internships, and go find people you can mentor under so that you can have all the experiences to lead you back to the thing that you're most passionate about. Because here's the other thing, and not to go on another tangent... I think one of the things that's so important for trainers to kind of own is that you have so much power when you're standing in front of your clients and you are there, you're put there to help them, that you better be doing something that you're really passionate about. Like you better be showing up because you love being in that space. So you do, it's on you to figure out what is your favorite thing? What is the thing that you're best at? What is the thing that pulls the best out of you? Um, And I think like that's on you to figure out because, and we need more trainers to do that because- we know the world needs to change and become more healthy. But so it's on trainers to go for their own like little journey to figure that out.
1: Damn. I wanted to just go start training more.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. That's
1: a good motivational. Speech. Yes.
0: But that is the thing. Like I just like in people who really truly love training, like understand, like and you'll understand it's the most freeing thing. I'm sorry. I'm moving the couch all around. So
1: you're getting excited. Yeah,
0: I am because it's the most freeing thing to finally be like, okay, I'm actually in the thing that I'm the best at. I'm the, I'm, or it brings out the best of me, not necessarily I'm the best at. I'm so passionate about this thing. It doesn't even feel like work anymore. Change is happening left and right in the clients that are coming in. Like there's no better feeling than that. If you were meant to be a trainer, that is the epitome of the best feeling ever. But for me personally, it took me, Seven or eight years to realize that, like, it wasn't about training athletes, mm-hmm. it wasn't about, you know, being on TV or whatever, all these other things, it was about owning the things that I brought to my clients and then feeling like, I'm never gonna be the smartest fucking trainer in the room. I went back and got my master's in sports performance and still felt like an idiot. And I finally was like, you're never going to be the smartest trainer in the room, ever, your brain is not set up like that. But you know what's just equally as important is being somebody that's super passionate about what you're doing, being a cheerleader, I'm like a professional cheerleader, being somebody that like in that hour can focus in solely on that person, can listen to them, can take care of them, can create can make creative workouts. I started owning that and feeling like, okay, I am really creative with my movement and people stay moving with me because it's creative and fun. So just like owning other things that you're good at, and you will never find those unless you go out and experience all that the training industry has to offer.
1: Yeah. You have to learn by doing things you don't like. Also, it's not just finding the things you like
0: absolutely and I think that was for me so I so my career when I was at zoom and I eventually left zoom to run my own business because I I had started what I call smart training and it was group but individual training and I loved it and I wanted to do my own thing but I just it was also with my depression and I just came to a moment where I was like this is not this isn't all of it for me. Like there is something missing. And I'm so like visceral when something is missing, I like feel it and know it. And just like, I couldn't move past it, even though I was making great money and I did love what I was doing. So that's when I went back to school and got my master's in sports performance. Um, but for me, I would have never day two in my internship. I was like, Oh no, I made a terrible decision to quit my own business not make any money while i'm in my internship and because i had to be in my internship as i was going back to school but it that was the most solidifying moment of my life to be like I love training general population. Not a single thing has ever deterred me after that moment. So the sixty thousand that I spent in my sports performance, like, you know, degree, whatever, like was the was the best money I've ever spent because it propelled me so far forward in what I wanted to do and who I wanted to get moving.
1: It's good.
2: It is good, it is yeah.
1: Good. It's interesting. so kind of going back a little bit, something popped in my head when you were talking about um just the difference of training athletes and beginners. There's almost seems like there's a distinction between proga- programming and like teaching movement, mm-hmm. and it's di- And I think that's actually like I'm curious what you how you would break that down because I think a lot of trainers like. Where a lot of people are going to have different expectations of like they can probably move really well but they just don't know how to program how to move like and and how to move for you know a a cycle or whatever and then on the flip side if you're sort of a good programmer but you actually don't know you're kind of expecting them to show up knowing how to move that can like put, put the brakes on oh, real yeah. quick cause you're like, oh, you don't know how to deadlift yeah. properly. Like
0: This is why when I say like the training industry is so complicated and why it's so overwhelming as a as an incoming trainer to think that you have to know movement. You have to be able to work with human beings. You have to then you're expected to like know nutrition. You have to know how to program things out. So for me personally, I am not a good programmer. I, I am a great programmer to help general population Um, move safely, and have fun moving. I'm a great programmer for that because I love it. When it comes to the nitty-gritty details of, you know, sports performance programming and the science that goes behind all of that, I totally am not the best programmer at that because also i'm not the most passionate about that so i will say like there are some great great fabulous trainers that are not good programmers or they're people that can communicate movement to people and can really connect with people and pull the best out of people that aren't the best programmers and that's okay like you don't have to be everything um I went on a tangent. I forgot your original question. Well, no, I mean, I
1: think that's just like being either one of those is okay. Like, so even totally. putting that in your thought process, like do I, as someone who wants to become a trainer um, and, and this is like, for me, this, I guess this is why it's coming up. Cause I have two certifications now and I, I don't know what I'm doing with it. Yeah. I kind of similar to you. It's just yeah. like, I want to know how to move safely yeah. and efficiently for myself. Yeah. But I think it's interesting because I'm training with someone who is like, who has never lifted a kettlebell Yeah. and it's, and I'm like, Whoa, this is really interesting. But it's, so there's been a lot of, I think what I'm more interested in is actually teaching someone how to move versus the programming aspect.
0: So you bring up something. Let me go back to, you said that. As a trainer, your job is to teach them how to move. Your job is to teach them how to move in their body and to understand their body before we add equipment or anything that makes it more complicated. That is your job. Um, And so I think, first and foremost, that's always the number one thing that you have to be able to do. You know, unless you are just hired to be a programmer, like, fine.
1: Is that a thing?
0: I don't know. Actually, like, as you're saying this, because the thing for me is I always collaborate. If there's certain specific things, like what's going to be coming up for us? I always, I collaborate then because I always want to be able to bounce things off. I do know, like there are certain people that create programs and they're dull and they're boring. And so you can have a whole clientele coming in and it could be the best program in the world, but because they don't enjoy doing it, they're not going to do it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I think it just, it matters who you're doing it. I know I bring that aspect. So who I'm collaborating with, like we're such a good mix because we bring, like he brings a lot of that science and we want, it's sports performance related, it's results related. So it has to be programmed out you know particularly but i also want to have i want to have a lot of fun you bring the fun I, I bring the fun yeah. um but just to go back to that just that we put a, a period on the end of that you do need to teach your clients how to move in their body there are a handful of movements that and movement patterns that they need to know how to do before you add anything else so the basics of movement is like not even to worry about programming first but is to get a human being comfortable and confident inside of their body
1: gotcha yeah okay
0: and connected to their body, and I think that's what, like, as trainers, we make really complicated, you know, by adding all these other things like body weight movement until that human feels super comfortable and confident in their body is the best thing for them.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, something I've been paying attention to a lot over the last year is like the language that good trainers use, and I never, I don't think I it's simple, uh, yeah, and just diverse. Like, there's other options, and I really. I didn't click for me until recently working out with a friend where he wasn't getting something. And I was like, gosh, that what I keep saying doesn't work. So why do I keep saying that? same? like, it's not like he's just going to get what I'm saying. I have to switch what I'm saying.
2: I mean, and I think I kind of
1: borrowed a term and kind of made it a different thing. And I was like, Oh, that's what worked for you. And it was this light bulb moment that I had where I was like, that's why trainers like a Tony Horton room like mm. this. He had so many like lines back in the P90X video days yeah. where we would repeat, like my brothers and I would do those workouts and we would like repeat them to each other. And, but I was like, Oh yeah, that's why. Or like when people say like, open the drawer, close the drawer with your butt, like these different visuals to get people to understand Absolutely. not I'm lifting a weight. I'm doing a movement. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. And you obviously you have a lot of these, which yeah. is really cool.
0: And I mean, there are certain things like for me as a trainer, what I, I kind of had this rule in my head that was, I want my clients to walk out of the training session feeling way better than they came in so i was not going to nitpick everything i was always going to set up a safe environment like one not loading anything so having them do their body weight stuff that means that they don't have to have like there's no such thing as perfect movement but they don't have to have perfect movement because it's already a safe environment i would give them two cues if they didn't give it get it i wouldn't keep bashing it into their head, we would move on to something else. And then in my mind, because if I wasn't quick enough to fix it, I'd be like, oh my gosh, great job. Okay, let's go do something else. Mm. And then so for me, like my my number one goal wasn't for them to have perfect movement patterns. My number one goal was for them to walk out of our training session, our one hour training session, feeling so good about themselves. And so what that meant was that I was constantly setting up an environment that they were going to succeed in. And if they weren't succeeding, it was on me to switch it up. And mm. if I couldn't figure out a queuing or something different, or, you know, change in in their movement pattern to fix it, I moved on to the next. And so I never was married to the program or anything that I was doing because what was most important to me was that they were super empowered in what they were doing. So we all there's different value systems and it depends on the trainers. You know, like if I'm training Surge, that's not the value system there. Like the man can move and every little minor thing that we're doing is making him a better athlete or knock on wood potential of injury. So mm-hmm. I think it just depends on who you're training and it depends on the environment that you're in.
1: Yeah. That's, that's good tip for trainers listening though, is that at least in your case and what a lot of people might really want to focus on, especially early on is create a fun environment, like create an environment where they leave going like, I like the movement. I want to go back. They didn't come. They came to move. They didn't come to perfect the deadlift today. You know, and, and yeah. of course there's some situations where yeah. people are literally trying to perfect a deadlift. Yeah, later I'm on, assuming yeah. new trainers yeah. are not <laughs> training that, but I think that's yeah. a good point.
0: You will, especially as you are in a position, if you're in a position where you're trying to gain clients, you will gain so many more clients not by spouting out all of these terms and all these technical things because you want to feel better about what you know and you want to come across as that kind of authority figure but instead if you make them feel so damn good about who they are and what they're doing and that is on you because no matter where you are just think about it when somebody had a conversation with you when you're at the coffee shop and they smiled at you and they laughed at your joke like you feel like a million bucks when you walk out the door that's your job. Like that is your fucking job as a trainer is to make people feel, help people, give them the tools to feel better about themselves and better about the body that they're in and to learn that and to set up that environment for that to happen.
1: That, that makes me think of, we've talked about this, uh, speak the language that they understand, like don't yes. engage your latissimus dorsi or, you know, like there's definitely that training group and whatever like i'm not it's not like a you know i'm shots fired towards that but like i do at least when you're training gen pop i think like one thing you've talked a lot about is like don't you know let's not talk about what muscle is getting engaged like use terms that they just understand
2: and that
0: because the thing is in that moment They don't feel better about themselves. They're fucking confused. They don't know what you're talking about. You maybe like feel a little bit better about yourself, which is like you need to check your ego then at the door because you're in that training session for them. They are paying you to help them. It does not make anybody who doesn't, most people don't know all the muscles in your body. It does not help them. And if you're there to help them, if you're there to set up the best environment for them to succeed, then fucking use language they understand. It's the most frustrating thing to me. I don't. If if you are training, you know, other trainers or athletes or this and that, then like again, know your client. If your client has said like, "Hey, Mike, I love learning about the body. So when you're giving me cues and you're telling me things, can you tell me about what mu- what muscles are firing? X, Y, and Z? Great. Then so be it. Mm-hmm. But like most people, when they're learning how to move, that is not helpful. Yeah, that is not that actually deters. That puts them in their head. Then they think they're failing. They're already embarrassed to be there. Like movement is such a it's such a, a, a finicky thing for people. Like people are already so self conscious about movement. They don't know and they think they should know. So like just Set up a safer environment for them.
1: Yeah, passionate.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I get really passionate about this. I know. Sorry. No, it's I know so I'm sorry. I'm very passionate. Okay. About
1: it. Just because you said surge, as if everyone knows who Surge is or what that was. Let's oh. just dive into that. Like, so yeah. you have trained. You've trained Gen Pop. You've trained athletes. Let's yeah. talk about this. Yeah, this little journey you went on. Yeah, with. with...
0: So yeah, so I, I've taken a few journeys to train athletes because there were there was moments in my career where I felt like. I felt like there was something missing. And when I feel like something's missing, I just have to move in a direction to figure out what it is. Now, the first time that was going back to school, so I did get to train college athletes and I was in there training them.
1: Because that was part of the program. That was part of the internship.
0: Yep, Yep, exactly. Um, And then uh, this happened in, I think, 2018 or 19. Um, So Serge Ibaka, who it came after, after, The Raptors had just won the championship. So the NBA team, NBA NBA championship. Um, So he had reached out and asked me to train him in his offseason.
1: How was that? So, okay, just you're doing your thing, yeah. NBA player just hits you up like where, yeah. how did this even come about? Um,
0: well, we had had some communication through social media just because I think he really liked the way that I was moving. Like a lot of my, it was kind of, I think like my, my mobility stuff and just how I could move. He is somebody who appreciates movement. Like, and I didn't know this, but as I started to train him, like he just really appreciates movement in general and he's very aware of his body and so like i think he started to see what i was doing and was like i really as i get older he was saying this I wanna be able to move like that in my body because I know that part of me being able to have a lasting career is to be able to be really aware of my body and like recover my body and take care of my body in a different way. And I don't wanna just hammer it all the time. So I think he saw what I was doing. So we had had communication over social. Um, I communicate with a lot about like people respect what we, we, we're kind of like in a playing field where we respect what other people are doing. Um, and yeah, so he asked to have a call um, like,
1: this isn't his manager or anything. This is just him. No, oh, this is him. That's yeah. pretty dope. Yeah, I didn't yeah, actually, I mean, I, like, I don't think we've actually had this conversation. Yeah.
0: yeah. I still remember where I was. It was after a training session. And I was like, okay. And and I took the call. And I'm not going to lie. I was like, no. I In my mind. Yeah. Not to him. Because I was like, I don't. I don't know if I can do this. Mm. Like, whoa, this is a big he had just coming, he had just come off a championship season. Like, again, the number one thing that interferes me is like my uh, you know, failure. Like, I'm I'm gonna fail at this, something's gonna happen, I'm not good enough, you know, my imposter syndrome, all these things. So I call my friend boss, call boss, and boss is like, you dumb bitch. <laughs> like, absolutely. Absolutely. No, you're not saying no. That is like once in a lifetime opportunity. You have worked your entire career to get to this moment. You don't back down because you are afraid. Like you figure it out. And like, you know, boss is very encouraging. So it wasn't like negative, but like you are ready for this. You figure this out. He asked you. You go do this mm. thing. Um, it also happened to be when Craig and I had just been in partnership together. So it was like all these things were happening. And I was oh, like... Oh, I
1: remember. You were out of town all the time. I was out of town that like, whole summer. Like, yo, I'm super available. We can do this whenever you want. Just um, by I the hired. way, I'm, uh, I got to leave for like a month.
2: Not a month. It was like four months.
1: Well, I think it was like, but you'd yeah. be back for like a weekend. Yeah. And then you'd be gone again.
0: Yeah. yeah. So okay so this goes also down to programming and like figuring out so i knew what he wanted i knew what i was really good at and i knew what i wanted to do with him and i had a coach that i really really respect kind of look over my programming and see if and he had worked with basketball players and just like see what he thought and it was all great but like that helped me feel good and confident about what i was doing Pause
1: real quick i'm just curious so this programming was it more recovery based or was this like all No, i was in charge athletic, of all of his all programming of it. and then was it just you was just
0: you, me that's cool i was in charge of his entire off-season program so i literally was with him and the man traveled so you know we were barcelona toronto new york we la we were everywhere i was everywhere with him that summer um and it was a very humbling experience i i I want to say I enjoyed every minute of it. I didn't enjoy every minute of it. It was a very humbling experience. It was such an honor first and foremost like I got to go to one of the, like the the NBA training center in New York and I forget what it's called and train out of there and and I am the only female in there and people are looking at me and then probably looking at him mm-hmm. like what are you doing but like he really trusted in me what we were doing he was playing amazing like he was feeling great it was all great but for me what I realized was I really love what I am doing and what I am building and what I'm creating and is as much of an honor as it was to work with an athlete at the peak and prime of his career career um, and something that so many trainers would like that would be their epitome of of success. It wasn't for me. It, I I just like, again, solidified. I love what I'm doing, trying to get the world to move and trying to get people to get up off their couch and be, you know, encouraged and empowered in their body. And it just like kind of, it was like the nail in the coffin for me on that one. Like I knew I came back from that. Well, and then the pandemic happened, but I, I came back so clear minded about what I wanted to do for, you know, the rest of my career like Mm -hmm. this is the most important thing to me is just move and really giving people an avenue to start moving
1: which again going back to like you have to do the things you have to do all the things so that you know what you also don't want to do which can solidify what you do want to do
0: my biggest learning lessons have been from doing the things that either like i didn't want to do or i pushed out of my i pushed so far out of my comfort zone to coach him Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like there were so many things for me that were personal successes by saying yes to that opportunity and, and to to be there and to do that. And then to watch him, you know, come off of that whole training and to like, for him to feel amazing. And um, that, w- that was an incredible experience. It just also solidified that I know what I'm most passionate about. I am very passionate about that. And, you know, training him was amazing, but I am more passionate about getting people who are not moving to move.
1: And that took you, like, maybe there is a balance that you could strike or something in the future, but like at that point, that's too much, like it, you have to kind of just be in that camp. Is that what I'm saying? You hearing? have to hundred percent just yeah. be in that
0: camp. Yeah. You would be, you know, you basically are hired, you're, you're a trainer at that point in time for athletes. And yeah. so, you know, I could go the route of like having a studio and just training athletes or trap being like just with that athlete solely. Um, and it was just something that I, yeah, I just I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do for my career. Gotcha. Yeah, but it was an incredible experience. He is amazing. Like the whole thing was incredible. Mm-hmm. I would never ever take that experience back. Like that is once in a lifetime. I met amazing people, had the best best time doing
1: it. Yeah. What did it like? I don't know. Give a little, what did the programming look like? Was it seven days a week? Was it five days a week? I mean, obviously not the reps Um, and sets, but blacked
0: out. Was a lot of mobility. Yeah, we did a lot of recovery work. It was a lot of just kind of like fine tuning things. I think for him, like he wanted routines and things that he he would be able to comfortably do when he was on the road. Um, We did a lot of mobility work and just helping him he's not old but he's in the second part of his career and so he it luckily for me there wasn't a lot of buy like I didn't have to convince him there was already buy-in to like how do we really take care of your body this isn't about in the off season going ham it's about being able to maintain and possibly like get a little better but really maintain where you're at because you're at such a high level already and that means you know definitely recovery and mobility work and just feeling better inside of his body taking care of his joints Um, but we did all of our strength work and our power work and our agility work and um
1: and is it all based off of like at that level is it like you're basing it off of what he's doing, like how he's moving as a basketball player.
2: Absolutely.
0: Because the thing is with a lot of athletes, especially basketball players, I mean, he's unique, but they're not when they have a ball in their hand, they're really good athletes. But when you take them off of the court, and I I definitely learned this in college, they don't actually have a lot of understanding of their body. And so it's really dangerous to start loading, Mm -hmm. you know, putting weight on these athletes who have no understanding of their body. Um, And so, and that, that wasn't Serge's case, but for me, for him, it was keeping him super healthy. And then you're constantly monitoring everything else that's going on in their life. Right. So it's, they're not just training with you. They're doing their skills practice. They're doing like for him, he has like all of his media stuff. So stress becomes a factor. Um, so it was just being like the, it's really important to be really in tune with them and to understand like they're showing up today and this is what I have on the program, but like this ain't about to happen. And if it happens, it's not going to be a good thing. You know, like in my mind, the biggest thing was for him to stay healthy and to feel good in his body. And that was always like at the top of my list when it came to what we were doing. And obviously that's at the top of every trainer's list. But there's a lot that goes into these these athletes that have also like these careers outside yeah. of their athletic career.
1: Yeah, they've got a whole... Like, and then
0: traveling, you take traveling into yeah. account all the time. And, you know, they're tired from that. And like, yeah, it was... I think that's why I realized like it's so much more than just training. It was like managing this person's life. Mm -hmm. and, And that just, that wasn't, that wasn't for me.
1: And so the difference of like, it seems like you have specialized training where you're really working with someone specifically, like knowing the ins and outs of like how they're moving or how they want to move versus gen pop training is more of like just generally like you're moving, which is good for whatever you're going to be doing.
0: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it goes down to like you know, there's even like group X instruct, like group class instructors, and um, movement for the sake of movement, and movement for the sake of having fun, or movement because you want a specific result. You know, like there's lots of performance results that eventually, when my women would come in and start to move and feel comfortable and confident, and you know, started to enjoy movement, then they want a result, and they're like, I want to be able to do a pull up or push ups, or you know, I really want to like heavy deadlift, and so. so So that would just allow like that guided me in their programming. But the first and foremost, when I had clients coming in was always like, how do I like, how do I keep them? You know, how how do I how do I get them coming back for more? And so that's what I navigated first. And then once you're bought into movement, I mean, once you start moving, the rest is history. Well, as long as you have a good time, but yeah, I guess the rest is not history. But once once they're bought into what we're doing, then it got to be really fun. Then it got to be like, what do you guys want to work on? Do you mm. want to like run a half marathon? Do you want to like deadlifts? Yeah, heavy you can deadlift. You want to do push ups, pull ups. You want to do like crazy agility things. Like, what do you want to do? Let's explore things.
1: So, your the takeaway from all that is that in your belief, or at least your path, is like just get them in, get them having fun and happier than when they showed up. Yeah. And then the rest will sort of fall in place.
0: My takeaway is that when you are not training clients to change the way that their body looks, the world is your oyster. It is so fucking fun to pull that off of the plate and then be like, how can I get you to be a happier, healthier, more empowered version of yourself through movement? And that's your goal. And that's your job.
1: So that's probably not Typically, the case a lot of people <laughs> no. come in going, I just you know I just really want to use, lose this ten pounds, yeah. or this twenty pounds, or thirty pounds, yeah. or whatever. So, what do you say to those people? Like, how do you? That's going to come up.
0: Oh yeah, rookie Kaisa. I mean, that's why we, we've said this. I've, I've talked about this before. Like initially, I was like, okay, cool, yeah, go train with so and so and so and so and so and so because I don't do that. Like, send them off. Yeah, send them off. Yeah. Like, I don't do weight loss. I, I I've never done that didn't do that. And then I started, you know, I look around and I have no clients. So that's not going to work because 90% of people coming in to a gym are coming in because they want to change the way they look. And I had an epiphany moment of just being like, oh, okay, I have to be the parent, which means I'm going to meet you where you're at. You can come to me and say, you could come to me and say like, hey, I really want to get like chiseled abs and I want to lose 20 pounds. And like, what's the program? I want to start training with you. And I'd be like, all right, cool. Let's start training. (laughs) I'd never co-sign it. Like, all right, cool. Let's start training. Then we like start training. And we don't really like all the conversations that you bring up about like, yeah, cool. Like this diet or this diet. And I'd be like, no, or I'd send you to like a nutritionist that I actually believed in. But I just never co-signed any of those conversations. And eventually they kind of fade away. And for me, my, my entire goal was to set up an environment where they would start to be empowered with what their body could do rather than what it looked like. And slowly those things fade away. And I just never was the source of co-signing that there was something wrong with their body based on what it looked like. And every person has their own journey on that. But when they were in my space and when I was training them, that was never going to be a topic. So, and even if they wanted to talk about it, like I eventually, I got to the point where I I could understand, like, I can't tell you not to talk about it. That's a thing that's happening Mm -hmm. in your world. I just, you know, every time I won't say her name, you know, somebody was like, oh, but my belly fat or this and that and be like, bitch, you just did (laughs) a, a like 50 pound press or Mm -hmm. what, you know what I mean? I just like, and I wouldn't call her bitch. She's actually my good friend, but so I probably would, but I'm always like bringing it back to this is what you can do. Yeah. So let's focus less on what you look like. Yeah, yeah. Which is so hard. And I say bitch lovingly. I'm so sorry if I offended people. Yeah. God.
1: Um, yeah. That's tricky. Cause it's like, it's definitely, it's always what people like are thinking. And that's what typically motivates people It's like, Oh, I gained some weight over the holiday or whatever this year. I want to do this. I want to look different. And it's, uh, Do you, like, would you now, like, so it seems like back then it was kind of like you just don't talk about it. It's kind of like, sure, that's your goal, but, like, let's just talk about this other stuff. Yeah. Do you think, like, now, like, recommending to, like, say, trainers that, like, this, because obviously this is going to be coming up for people, how would you recommend that language? Can it be, like, do you, would you say something like, like, let's, let's focus on this movement and see how you feel. Or like, do you kind of give them your philosophy or do you just, I think
0: think a very simple thing to say is all bodies are different. And if you have weight to lose based on like, when we start moving, like you will lose that weight. And if you want to check in on your nutrition and like what you're doing, like, we will hook you up with an appropriate dietitian. Um, and to like get that dialed in but the reality of the situation is that when you are fueling your body appropriately and when you are moving at an appropriate amount your body will be at what its most comfortable you know healthy state Mm -hmm. is at and then that becomes you've already been working with them for a little while and if they reach that state and they're still not happy with that there's deeper conversations that need to be had you know what i mean and so like i always we're we're trainers and then we're part therapists. And so you get to start to learn about a human being. You get to start to understand that they're you know, super stressed or they're in an unhealthy relationship or they're not in a relationship and they want to be in one, all these things. And so they've summed it all up to thinking that if they change the way that they look, all those things will line up and be in place. And so it's a, it's a case-by-case basis of just working with those human beings and helping them understand that changing the way that they look won't bring on all these other things that they think. And that their healthiest version of themselves is the way that their body is going to be. And so like, how do we work on accepting that and being not, you don't have to love it. I don't love my body every day. I love what she does for me. I love what, you know, like when she's a badass and I appreciate that, but I don't look at every ounce of her, especially, you know, these days and say like, oh, you, I love it all. I don't. Mm but i appreciate her and i don't talk negatively to her and i think that like, that's helping people understand like you can have a neutral relationship with your body and you can just be grateful for what it does it's yeah. the one body
2: you get yeah
1: easier said than done as you know obviously it's not Absolutely like you're yeah. easier said than done what's interesting as you we were saying that i was like oh yeah trainers aren't weight loss experts trainers are
2: movement. hopefully
1: movement experts yeah. and that's but like how many i wonder how many people come to a trainer and say hey i want to learn how to move better i want to start moving
0: yeah i think these days more and more Maybe, yeah. like absolutely more and more but no i think the majority is i'm going to hire a trainer so that i lose weight and you know can get this bikini body or yeah. whatever it is that i want
1: but that's a cool thing to like give trainers right now like it like for any trainers listen like to me at least i'm like that's a cool way to think about what you do and how you talk about it. it's like i'm like a movement expert i get yeah. people to move and feel good in your body and know how to move well and feel better you know and it
0: translates into everyday life but this is um for so long i didn't like trainer or personal trainer on my card so i always had movement coach mm. you know, i'm a movement coach like i will teach you how to move i'll teach you how to move better Um, but I think also like that translates into everyday life, like helping human beings come in and like when, when, um, your clients are coming in helping them understand when you learn how to move and move better, like your entire life is different because you're moving every single day. So like figure out (coughs) how to feel better in your body and how to move better.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Movement. I mean... I think we've talked about that, but now in this specific conversation, it makes more sense. It's like, it's calling it what it is from the get go. Like I am a movement coach. I'm not a weight loss trainer. I'm not a weight loss coach. And and there are those out there, (laughs) but but if that's not you, then don't, don't claim it. Yeah um and hopefully
0: that's not you
1: yeah 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 if you're listening the message is (laughs) don't
0: push that message please
1: oh my god we just went on such a long tangent yeah we didn't even let me just see if like do we have any well
0: i mean we should just call this podcast the tangent yeah it's literally we just go on tangents but it's focused tangents yeah yeah i don't mind it hopefully i mean if people are listening and mind it, let us know. We'll stay more focused.
1: I guess there's two two things that we could sort of... Whoa, there goes your wallet. Oh, For those no. of you not watching the video, there is a... Kaisa's wearing these... I don't, they're moon boots. they um, military boots. Military boots. And they're quite large platforms. And then they have an attached wallet of some sort On them and it just fell off so sorry for that tangent (laughs) speaking of tangents okay
0: sorry i'm trying to be swaggy
1: this one's we're kind of like we're getting into long mode here but i feel like this is such a good topic just you're killing it and so um social media because that's something you wanted to bring up i remember we were talking about earlier like how important is it uh for new trainers to get on social media and then yeah. once they're on there, how do you navigate? Because there's just everybody on social yeah. media being a trainer and like I, what would your...
0: This is such a hard topic and I will be honest because I feel like it's almost not fair for me to say don't worry about social media. But the reality is don't worry about social media. I came up at a time when I happened to be perfect timing with social media. I was we were literally at the just the beginning of what was happening on Instagram. So when we put that out there, it took off in a way that it will never take off. Now it will not take off. And in order for you to be on social media and I guess, let me pause one second and say, I would want to know their purpose to be on social media. If they wanted to be on social media, just because it held them accountable and they enjoyed putting content out there, then great. Yes. Be on social media. If you are trying to be on social media to be the next trainer that, you know, makes money off of being on social media and selling programs and, you know, getting sponsorships, this and that, I'm here to tell you, like, it's not worth your time and energy. It is a full-time job. And the reality of you growing to a capacity that you have an audience that's buying from you or you have sponsorships that are paying you is years down the road. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not very probable. Mm. And the reality is you like you have to look at like what's sustainable what do you want to do like if you want to be a trainer to be on social media maybe you don't want to be a trainer maybe you just want to be on social media and that's a whole other thing but if you want to be a trainer your job is to like train people like go spend your time and energy getting better at training people don't don't worry about social media
1: train first but I mean it does seem like social media is like necessary to some extent like I think social
0: media if you if you were on if you were a trainer and you were building up your clientele social media is like a LinkedIn or like a Yelp page you know what I mean like social media is where people go to vet you or social media is like you know their friends like hey I'm training with this awesome trainer like go check out her profile or you know what I mean like people can get a vibe of you yes but people that do social media for their full-time job it is their full-time job it is my full-time job to create content which means I have zero time to train people so if I was a trainer like you have to be picking what you're doing here and if you're just thinking about putting all your content on social media because in the hopes at some point in time it's going to pop off and make you a ton of money it's not it's literally not so I, I that's where I'm like I'm just I hate to be the bearer of bad news but I think a lot of people need a reality check about what they're doing Now, if your entire goal is to be an influencer, and you are going to go balls to the wall doing that, like, I never want to get in your path, like, do you like, you know, and there's going to be another platform that comes up. And maybe you're going to be on the first, you know, wave of that platform and go for it. But if you want to be the best trainer in the world, you're not spending your time and energy trying to create a pop in social media
1: feel like you were yelling at me for a second i'm so sorry yeah i just felt kind of like a little scared. i got aggressive you got a little aggressive no it's cool you're passionate about that i'll watch my tone i think yeah and it seems like it's like be a trainer first Mm -hmm. and and if you want to do social media documenting some of that that's fine but like yeah it sounds like what you're saying is don't think the end result is being a social media trainer be the trainer, get good at training, yeah. share that stuff. And
0: don't think that if you are a trainer with a pop and profile that let's say you wanted to train athletes and all of a sudden those trainer, th- those athletes are looking at the pop and profile and going that way. The likelihood of that is, I guess, is very few and far between. I guess you could argue back and say, well, that just happened to you. But um, I think the reality of the situation is you have to be the best of the best at your craft And if your craft is training, you got to spend your time, energy, and effort there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it's
0: a lot of energy to create social media content.
1: And on the flip, I think if you are someone who's just like you know you're you're doing the training, you're you know that's your focus. You're getting better. You're doing all the things, and you're posting on social media. Don't let the social media dictate if you're successful or not. Yeah, because you get only ten or twenty or thirty likes or five or whatever the comments and likes are doesn't. validate who you are as a trainer, it validates oh, just who's listening to you on social and media and
0: we've seen this so many times with training. The craziest thing is the thing that goes viral it's not the smartest thing it's yeah. not like the basics or the fundamentals of movement it's not so many of the best coaches or the people that I mentored under or learned from don't have pop in social medias you yeah. know it doesn't it doesn't go it doesn't go that way,
1: yeah, which is good I yeah. mean it's good to understand I think like a lot of and I think there's just a lot of people that think. I'm going to go get my cert, I'm going to start my Instagram, and I'm going to crush it. And then I think... A month or two later it's like okay that's not working and then they lose all that passion but i think it's just
0: checking in then because the reality is what do you want to do do you want to be a personal trainer or do you want to be a social media influencer because those two things are very different
1: although it seems like nowadays those two are like i think a lot of people think i mean even myself and i was like oh, i should probably have a social media thing for being a trainer because everyone has to but i think what i'm hearing is like be a trainer, be a trainer, yeah, be how a how long trainer. did that last, Mike? No, not long. That's exactly. what I'm saying, yeah. It's not sustainable. Yeah.
0: Because it's so much energy and effort totally. to, to create content. You know who does it well? Luca does it well. Because Luca has, so the, the guy that I'm training with now is a very intelligent trainer and he has now afforded himself an opportunity for somebody to create the content while he's in his session. So it mm-hmm. takes nothing from him. So there are certain opportunities at some point in time that may you know, arise Mm -hmm. and you can be in your element and you can be coaching and content can be created. And then you might be fueled by then also checking in a few times a week and creating other content. Great. Yeah. So be it. But you know what that takes? That takes somebody having like a huge capacity for work. Somebody being very like organized and dedicated to like understanding social media and liking that. There's just so many other things that fall into place there. The reason I did well on social media in the beginning is because I, have a, I did photography. I have this creative background and I understood what things should look like. I never would have been successful on social media if I didn't pick up right away that having colorful outfits with a cool background and matching moves looked cool. And understanding that, like, what looks cool is what's going to pop off right now. Mm-hmm. So you can't just put content on social media and think it's going to go. Yeah, it's not.
1: <laughs> yeah. And going back to Luca, it's like again, he's training first. He's Someone training. Someone else is 24/7. documenting him training. Absolutely. He's not, yeah, exactly. So he's not setting up. His training isn't setting up the social media posts.
0: So then let me let me go back and answer this question. If you are a brand new trainer and you are focused on becoming the best trainer, then you need to focus all of your time, energy, and effort on being the best trainer, which means your internships, your education, your mentors, that's what you need to do, and training clients. If you are a seasoned trainer and you are looking to expand your business, then yes, social media might be important and impactful for you at that time. It's also looking at how can I do social media in a way that represents me or my studio well, but also doesn't take away a lot of time and energy. You know, maybe that means you have to hire somebody to come in and do it. Um, And everybody is different. So that's a case by case basis.
1: Ooh, with the roundup oh. that was so good it took us a while to get there know, sorry. Well, that was really good I, well, I mean, to like, take hold, hold on <laughs> here's the answer to the question
0: well i realize i'm not i realize i gotta be able to also give people kind of like bullet yeah no, points. that was i can't good. just go on my own tangents about things i think that
1: was that was solid oh, god, okay I feel good this is great okay let's just move on to the last thing i think okay. which is big
2: <laughs> oh god what? how
1: like you want to change the fitness industry. What does the fitness industry look like when it's changed? You know, like what? Let's, because I think that a lot... That is a whole
0: podcast in and I of itself. I know, but
1: let's just at least, again, thinking of like, say, let's just, it seems like we're we're talking more to like newer trainers yeah. today.
0: I I think this is a huge... Oh, you're going I am go. just going
1: to say, no, 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 I'm not going to okay. go. You're going to go. I just want to preface it with like, so knowing let's just say newer trainers are listening, they're going to be part of what how the, the next generation is training. So I think that's yeah. like, if you can kind of think of that. So
0: I think it's important to just like scope out of it, the bird's eye view here. I think that the health and wellness industry, if it was doing its job, the world would be a healthier place. So I think like that's a huge lofty goal, but I think that's an actual fact. I think that... If instead of pushing health looks a certain way, instead of co-signing that people need to move because there's something wrong with their body, if we change our message and really try to serve the population in terms of helping them be and encourage them to be their healthiest self and put real messaging out there about what that is, um, I think the world would be a very, the world would be a very different place. I also understand that we're never going to be able to fight media and trillions of dollars that pushes all of that. But what we do have is the power as trainers to be one on one. We're the ones communicating that information to individuals in sessions. We're the one with the most power in that session to decide not to co-sign a message and to set up environments that push something different. Um, And so I think for me, my, my number one hope and desire for trainers that are coming in and even trainers that have been here is to have some deep moments with themselves to ask themselves a lot of hard questions about whether or not they feel like they are truly being, you know, healthy trainers, whether or not they are truly embodying what it means to, you know, be a health and wellness coach to their clientele. And a lot of that means trainers have to get, we have to get real with ourselves. Like, are we healthy? Is our relationship with movement and food and you know, our mental health, like, is that healthy? Because I'm standing in front of people and if I'm not healthy, I'm actually spewing my bullshit onto them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like, am I in a good space to be working with people and to have that power to like really influence people? And am I influencing them the right way? Cause there is a right and a wrong way. Mm-hmm. And I, period influencing people, you know, to lose weight because there's something wrong about their body is the wrong way, like period. And I feel very passionate about that.
1: So let's talk about the right way. Yeah. Instead of talking about the wrong way. Yeah. Let's give them like three things at least. So how would you, like, what's the messaging? So talking about, we change the messaging. It goes
0: back to all things we set up. I mean, all things we already talked about. Set up an environment where human beings are coming in to learn about their body. Set up an environment where they feel successes throughout that 30 minutes or that hour that you work with them, that they feel they walk out of that more empowered. Um, And don't co-sign their issues. I think the number one thing is, like, to understand they're not, they are going to come in to your sessions with those issues, with wanting to lose weight or wanting to change something or, you know, being, you know, unhappy about their body. Don't co-sign it. Don't co-sign it. You don't have to like, I learned the hard way. You don't have to say they're not the clients for you. You also don't have to be like, no, no, everything's perfect because everything might not be perfect for them, but you just don't have to co-sign it.
2: Mm.
0: Cause it's so, when you think about having a conversation with your friend and there's something you're insecure about and you're like, oh my God, but my nose is just like so big. And they're like, oh God, your nose is big. (laughs) That's, that, that that fucks you up. Yeah. Instead, when they're like, really, Mike? Well, actually, this happens to me a lot. But like, really, Kaisa? You're not your fucking nose, okay? Like, literally, that's what you want to pick up? Like, yeah. you're not your damn nose. You know, like, move on. You got a lot of other great qualities. Who cares? And if mm-hmm. somebody's judging you for your goddamn nose, they're the wrong person to hang out with. That's the type of trainer with better language, but that's the type of energy and attitude that I have with my clients.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. Like now we're sort of in this big picture. I'm realizing our last episode or one of our episodes talking about the core values of Just Move are kind of all to change like the fitness industry, like movement or what is it? Health is um, a feeling, not a, a look. Feeling, not a look. So that's like, if we could movement change that, is fun. Movement is fun. Uh,
0: we celebrate first steps and next steps. So that's kind of create
1: the environment. Yeah. Right. Um, and
0: a, a community um, based, based on, on joy, not judgment.
1: So, I mean, actually I didn't even put that together. Like that is if, if the future of health and wellness, yeah. if that's not just our yes! core principles, like get those core
0: principles. Yes. All like, of those. That Absolutely. would be huge. Yeah, because I think the thing is, is I think so many more trainers would be so passionate and empowered by what they were doing if they started to embody those things because the thing is the reality is you don't really you feel good in like one moment of your client client being like i lost five pounds when you know that that's not sustainable they probably are not going to be able to continue working with you because the next week they're going to gain those five pounds back then they're going to be mad like it's like it's just as a it's a it's a Six cycle that trainers yeah. are on it feels so different when because we're fed off of our clients being like i am a bad bitch come through i just deadlifted 200 pounds i just i never thought i'd be able to do a push-up i just did a full push-up like that is crazy energy and that is sustainable they will continuously come back. You wanna be a, if you wanna be a successful trainer, it means you have to keep your clients coming back for more. You know how to keep them coming back for more? Set up performance results based environments where they're constantly empowered by what their body is doing. That's how you keep your clients.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, but like we should have made this a two hour podcast because I love it this. It basically is. Oh gosh.
1: Shit, that was I think we end there. That okay. was too good. you like you've I love gotten this. Yeah. I realize I think it's because there is no round table between us you can kind of you get a little bit aggressive. more aggressive um <laughs> so I feel sorry. like I might need to get like a little safety. Barrier? yeah just to, just for safety but It's only when we're
0: talking about It's only when yeah. it's only when I get to talk to trainers and it's only when we're talking about the industry. I I obviously come with a lot of passion when we talk about the industry. I also like, I really enjoy being able to talk to trainers and feeling like the audience today is trainers, hopefully, because I, I just like, I think that's, what's going to be most powerful. I think what's going to be the change is when a whole bunch of us trainers are on the same page about wanting to do something different. And I think that's like, that's when the change happens. So I get riled up about trying to get trainers, you know, trying to get us all on the same page.
1: Well, and when you've discovered this thing, like that you, know is so true to you and you see how it's affected so many people like of course you want to share that with more people like don't go the like changes
0: lives like literally changes lives and somebody's life that has changed me being a healthier version of myself also helps to change my family members my friends like it continuously changes and that's why i always say like I feel like with the training industry, with the health and wellness industry, when we own that power, when we just decide one day to be like, "Oh, I'm not going to fight media anymore. I'm not going to fight this sex sells culture and whatever this bullshit is that they want to sell. I'm just going to own the power that I have. The world will literally be a different place." Yeah. And I'm just, I am just praying and working my ass off towards us all getting to that moment.
1: Step by step.
0: Step by step. Day by, by day. Movement. Yeah. Cool.
1: All right. Okay. I think we end there. That was like... Wow. I, I didn't know what we were going to have today. And oh. I feel like you unleashed.
0: Unleashed the beast. Well, I enjoyed talking, I feel like, two trainers about the industry. So if that is something that if, if anyone is listening today and enjoys this topic, I think that we could have more of them because I think it's amazing. But I also just want to hear from trainers like if there's questions yeah. or comments or feedback i, I would love because i can go on my own tangents. some could be like you're way in left field and wrong about that pull it back in and explain that differently
1: yeah totally and um you know just we want to also encourage people to subscribe
2: oh, i realized here the he other goes. day <laughs> sorry leave
1: a review leave a, review, leave a comment subscribe. no seriously though like in the comments i was super excited because we launched this this new version i guess of the podcast and it's cool seeing like comments on youtube and you yeah. know and the, because it's a great great place where we can engage with people, absolutely
0: so. and learn and this podcast is definitely about engaging so that we're having conversations that people want to hear and listen to exactly okay well to everybody that tuned in thank you for coming along with this apparently wild and aggressive ride that i was on today uh we don't have no round table, so thank you for joining us and we'll see you back on the couch very soon peace